0: presence of Almighty God. Are a good God. That you have been better to us than we've been to ourselves. That when we think of the goodness of Jesus and all that you've done for me, my soul can't help but cry out and praise you and give you glory and. Could ever contain your glory, and yet you choose to abide in the praises of your people. Help your servant this morning. Speak clearly to us and let us leave here different than when we got here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Can you shout, Amen? amen. I uh, wanted to. Come and give you an update. We announced for several weeks about Prayer Fest in New Jersey. And then last week, I had the opportunity to preach for Dr. David Ireland uh, that hosted Prayer Fest. And the keynote speaker for that event was our very own Pastor Dr. A.R. Bernard. And I'm glad to say, and a proud member of the CCC House, that they could not stop ranting and raving about our pastor and his teaching. We serve... God in a great house. Can you say amen right there? I was when, when Minister Thurston said it before we sow into good soil. This is a good house with good leadership and good shepherds. Our own pastor, Dr. A.R. Bernard, Pastor Jamal Bernard, the ministers serve with integrity in this house and we ought to give honor where honor is due and thank God for our leadership. Hallelujah. I am blessed. Because I have the opportunity to serve under the leadership of Pastor Bernard. I am blessed to serve under the leadership of Pastor Jamal and call him my brother. I am blessed for men that have spoken into my life. Uh, I appreciated uh, Pastor Ireland taking out the time to spend with me. So we met up on Saturday at the Cheesecake Factory. He chose the restaurant. I did not. (laughs) I got to tell you. Um, I don't know about you, but I've never seen as extensive a menu as the Cheesecake Factory. 52 pages. You can go from appetizers to buying a Honda right in the same menu. I mean, it's it's got advertisements. It's got a bibliography, table of contents. It's got an area with there are credits. If there's ever... A menu that does not need an addendum. It is the Cheesecake Factory menu. And when I sat down, he was already sitting and he pulled out an addendum to the menu. I was shocked that there were additional pages. (laughs) On the way there, I had been thinking of all the things I would order. Avocado egg rolls and pot stickers and some louisiana chicken pasta and i'm just i'm I'm thinking about all the stuff i want the really sugary lemonade strawberry lemonade diabetes in a cup right there and my man pulled out the skinny-licious menu addendum i looked across the table and when he ordered he ordered the skinny-licious salad said take out the bacon and remove the dressing You know I couldn't order no avocado egg rolls at that moment. I was like, I want the salad too, I guess. And then in all honesty, because he has a word of knowledge gift, I just wanted to make sure the air was clean. I want to let you know, Pastor Ireland, I appreciate you meeting with me, but this will not be my last meal of the evening. The Psalms... Are an interesting portion of scripture. They're interesting because when you think about the Psalms, the Psalms are maybe the only portion of scripture that were written with no intended audience. When you think about the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Moses was writing them for historical context. When you think about the Chronicles and the Kings and First and Second Samuel, they were written for the posterity of what God had done on behalf of his people, Israel. When you think about Proverbs, it was to pass wisdom down from generation to generation. When you think about the prophets and the major and minor prophets, they were written as a declaration to God's people. When you think about the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke. John, they were all written with an intended audience. Even the book of Acts was written by the doctor named Luke. And he is writing to a group of people so that they would know the Acts of the Apostles. When you think about the letters written by Paul to Rome or Corinth, they were all written with an intended audience. Even John the Revelator, isolated and exiled to an island called Patmos, was written with the revelation of heaven to an intended Audience, the Psalms, the Psalms might be the most authentic portion of Scripture in all of the Bible because they were written in a cave. Some of them were written with a back against the wall, declaring, "I feel the coils of death entangle about me." Other times, David would declare, "I will bless the Lord at all times." Poetry and song, prayer to God, and in the midst of this Psalm, maybe the most famous of psalms, maybe, maybe the most quoted of psalms, maybe the psalm that's read oftentimes in a time in our history or in a time of trouble, many a funeral, this psalm has been read. We oftentimes, I think in the habitual nature of rereading a portion of scripture can oftentimes lose the wonder in it. Psalm 23 is the portion of scripture I'm referring to. Allow me to read it to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear No evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow after me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David the psalmist illustrates things that we don't often see. I don't know about you, but I'm born and raised in Queens. My whole life lived now on Long Island. I, I don't see many quiet streams. I don't see many green pastures. We, we live in what is called the concrete jungle. But David illustrates what he sees. And he says, there are times and seasons where he makes us to lie down where we trust the shepherd to know the pace of our life and that in the rat race of life, a city that never sleeps, there are times that we must rest in the confidence that God knows best. There are seasons in our life where God calls us to slow down and rest in his presence and David says he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters he has his rod and his staff and they they guide me I'm I'm guided in paths of righteousness so that even when I, I, I don't know what's going on even though I feel like I walk into an area that I cannot explain why all hell is breaking loose because let me say something to you it's one thing to walk into a situation because you made a mistake and all hell break loose But what happens when you're serving God wholeheartedly and you're tithing and you're worshiping and you're honoring God and all hell still comes after your marriage, still comes after your children, still comes after your finances, still comes after your health. And in that moment, you have to declare, he's leading and guiding me, both in the good times and in the bad times. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, illustrates for us a place where there's, there's, there's steep walls on both sides and in the midst of my valley, in the darkest of times, I will not fear, for thou art with me. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. He told David, listen, you can go to the heights and I will be there and you can make your bed in hell and I'll still be there. I don't know about you, but I serve a God when times have been so tough. I felt like I was walking through a valley of death. I could feel the shadow of death encumbered all around me. And yet in that moment, a reminder came, but I am with you, Adam. I've not left you to yourself. I am the God who will not leave you nor forsake you. Can I get a good amen right there? Put your hands together and bless your God. He's the God that the Bible says, even in the midst of your enemies, I will prepare a table before you. Yes, yes. Have you ever sat at a table, people uh, sitting across from you who meant for your demise? Yes. Been snickering and talking about you. Let me tell you something, haters are a sign that you're doing something right. If you've got no haters, you ought to ask what you've been doing because when you're doing something right and God starts blessing you, there are people that start talking behind your back and they wish you the absolute worst. Let me tell you, the best thing you can do in the presence of your enemies is eat from the blessings of God. They've been waiting for you to start cursing. They've been waiting to get a rise out of you. They've been waiting for you to react and lose your cool and your temper. The best thing you can do is choose to eat while my enemies watch. He said, and then surely, goodness and mercy. I think too long, too many people have been looking over their back wondering if judgment's coming to strike them down. No, no, no. When I look back over my back, I see goodness and mercy trying to hunt me down. Goodness and mercy is following after me. Because let me say something to you. You, you, don't, have to, you don't have to hunt what you can attract. I don't have to run after goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy is running after me. That's why in the New Testament, Jesus said, the Father seeketh them that worship him in spirit and truth. When you have an authentic place of worship, you don't have to find God. God will come looking for you. And let me tell you, in that place, you don't need a psalmist, you don't need an organ, you don't need a B3 Hammond, you don't need a drummer. You just need some hands that are lifted up to your God and a mouth that can open up and begin to bless him out of the overflow of your heart. Right where you're seated, lift up both your hands, open up your mouth and begin to give your God some praise right there. I don't hear you, CCC. Open up your mouth and worship him. Psalm 23 hinges on the first verse. I had the opportunity to take my family this summer away, and we went to uh, different parts of Europe. We saw Barcelona, we saw uh, Amsterdam, we saw Paris together. Before that, on business, I was in London. Here's what I found about Europe I, I, I don't understand, but they've got these huge cathedrals, they got beautiful stained glass, they got big doors. I'm not really sure. I don't think the people were bigger than us, but the doors are big. (laughs) Big, heavy doors, ornate doors. They're doors that are just beautifully inlaid with different kinds of of, of wood and structure and, and detail that's just beautiful. And here's what I've understood. No matter how big or grandiose any door is, it's always held up by the hinges. The hinges are what allows it to open. And close, the hinges are what allows it to swing open and swing close. In Psalm 23, the hinges of this entire psalm are in Psalm 23:1, "The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want." You see, the entire psalm hinges on that one verse. It is, "The Lord who is my shepherd, I shall not want." I will not live wanting, I have not wanted, I will not want. The Lord there is Yahweh. You can put those four letters up on the screens for me. YHWH was the way it would have been written because they removed the vows from Yahweh because they believed that somehow if you could... Actually attach a name to God, you would actually devalue him and you would put him in a place where you could understand, and if you could understand God, then he would no longer be God. So they removed the vows from the word Yahweh so that you could not announce him, He would be the unutterable one. He was God so big. And so amazing. You see, the problem we have with American Christianity is we just don't appreciate how great our God is. Because if you really believe that your God was that great, you would not need to be motivated to worship. You would be worshiping just at the idea of who He is. He's Yahweh, He is the unutterable one, He is Alpha and Omega, He is the beginning and the end. He told John, I am the first and the last. I am, was dead and now I am alive. I am always and have always been. I am the everlasting one. I'm so great and awesome. I spoke into nothing and I created everything that you see." And when scientists get a telescope where they finally think they're going to get to the outer fringes of where the universe ends, they realize they have but scratched the surface. Because when God spoke, he spoke into the eternal in the ever-present. And so his voice continues to echo throughout the universe, continuing to create new galaxies and new regions that we cannot comprehend because he's God. The Bible says he holds the whole universe together by the word of his power. And he uses the earth like a footstool. He's so great and awesome. He's almighty God. He's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. He's omnipresent, means he's everywhere. He's Yahweh, the Lord, the great and awesome one. The unutterable one, the one who, if I could somehow attach an adjective that explained all of him, would devalue him to my level of understanding. And so in the Hebrew, they said, we got to do something about that. So we'll remove the vows so you could never actually pronounce and announce or, or you could never actually say out of your lips what would contain who God is. Because if you could, he would somehow be diminished. And what he is is greater than anything you could name he's God all by himself and beside him there is no other he's the God when the people had their back up against the sea and they walked across on dry land and swallowed up their enemies behind them he's the God Who, when there was no food, he he could provide ravens to feed a prophet. He's the God whose flour and oil does not run out. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider, he's my healer, he's my banner. He's the all-sufficient one. I I don't know if you're completely understanding what I'm trying to say to you. What I'm trying to say to you when you get to the outer end of where your imagination could somehow end, God is all of that and then some. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many of y'all grew up in the in the 90s, but but I grew up in the 90s in a in a generation that liked hip hop in the 90s. And and if, if, if somebody, if somebody was real fly you would say something like, they all that. Uh, I didn't hear y'all. And a bag of chips. I started to think last week as I was preaching through this and I said to myself, remember like when you could for 50 cents get a bag of chips and a quarter water? Y'all don't remember no quarter waters, y'all. All that. And a bag of chips. Here's what I'm saying to you. God is all that. And then some. You, you think how great he is. And then he's more than that. You think he's faithful. And he's more than that. You think he's awesome. Yeah he's that. And he's some more. He's the Lord. The unutterable one. Come on put your hands together right here. The Lord. The great and awesome one. And David then shifts, and he says, this God who's so awesome and so unutterable you can't even announce who he is. That one, the Lord, he is my shepherd. Yes. He moves from the corporate and the grandiose, he moves from the, 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 the removed, the God who's so great and awesome, to understanding, yes, he's all that, but he's also my shepherd. He's personal. He understands. He knows. He knows what I need before I ask. He begins to answer before I call, and he knows every hair on my head. That's a better, that's a, that's a better illustration for some. He knows what's going on in my life. He knows what's going on in my marriage. He knows what's going on with my children. He knows what's going on in my health, in my body, in my finance. He knows what's going on with that depression and the panic attacks. And he knows what's going on in the anxiety. He knows what's going on in the job. And so in that moment, David shifts from this God who is great and awesome. But yes, he is also my shepherd. You see, because in a moment of chaos and difficulty, you must be able to declare, God, you are the shepherd of my home. You are the shepherd of my marriage. You are the shepherd over my children. I, I had to go this past week up to Syracuse. I took that long ride up to Syracuse. It's far. Some of us don't realize how big New York is till you start driving. Lord Jesus, air so clean you could choke. It's so quiet you can't sleep. I don't know about y'all. I need some sirens. I need some honking to go to sleep at night. I just, it, we, was, we was out in the boondocks. My son's going to college, can't imagine that, but yet I've got to declare, well, what are you going to do? What, you know, kids that are going off to college are being convinced that God doesn't exist and their, their faith is being robbed from them and, and this thing and that thing, and I'm not going to worry, no, 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 Lord, you are the shepherd of my son. Yeah. You are the shepherd over my finances. Oh, well, you don't know, Pastor Adam. There's a downturn coming in the economy. That's okay. In the downturn of the mountaintop, you are the Lord who is the shepherd of my finances. You are the shepherd of my job. You are the shepherd of my home. You are the shepherd of my health. You are the shepherd of my joy. The Lord who is my shepherd. My shepherd. I shall not want. He declares in the ever-present, I shall not want. I will not live wanting. In a day and age of consumerism where the answer to how much is enough always seems to be more, the only place of understanding contentment is understanding that the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want because my Bible says the righteous shall lack no good thing lions and tigers and bears may grow hungry but the righteous shall lack no good thing it's a reminder that if I don't have it it's either not good for me or it's not now But I will not live in the rat race trying to live up with the Joneses so that I've got to have a bigger house, a nicer car, live in debt, can't tithe, can't give, can't be generous because I'm somehow motivated by a place of lack that will never be satisfied on the outside but can only be satisfied from within. You see the place of satisfaction that's why in the New Testament the Bible says uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. Because we got people running after what they cannot afford to impress people they don't like. Buying stuff they don't need to impress their haters. No, 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 no. The Lord the great and awesome one. He is my shepherd. And if he's my shepherd, then I shall not want. And you see, the reason this verse are the hinges upon which the entire door swings is you will never know the God who can lay you down and quiet your soul until you know him as the Lord is my shepherd. You will never know him as the God who will lead you and guide you until you know him as the Lord is my shepherd. Because we have a generation that is growing up today that wants the Lord to be their savior but not their shepherd. We want him to save save us from our sins. We want him to save us from eternal death and damnation. We want him to save us from our trials. But we do not want him to be our shepherd and Lord. And the truth of the matter is you cannot understand the rest of Psalm 23 until you fully declare the Lord. He is my shepherd. He's the Lord who is my shepherd when he lays me down. He's the Lord who is my shepherd when there's quiet waters and green pastures all around. He's the Lord who is my shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. You'll never understand the God who can be with you in the midst of your valley until you know him as the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd allows me to trust him when all hell is breaking loose. It allows me to trust him when I'm in the most difficult of spots. It's the place where I can trust him and authentically worship him when I don't feel like worshiping him. Because the truth of the matter is, anybody can praise him after you get a raise. Anybody can praise him after you get a new car and a new house. Anybody. But have you ever praised him from prison? You'll never know God is your deliverer until you've been locked up. But we got Christians walking around waiting for God to do something before they praise him and they don't understand. No, 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 the righteous shall not walk by sight. We walk by faith. It takes faith to praise him while you're still locked up. It takes faith to praise him before your healing comes. It takes faith to praise him before your financial breakthrough comes. But when you're in the midst of the valley and you can declare the Lord Yahweh, he is my shepherd, the Unutterable one, the maker of heaven and earth, him who is God all by himself and beside him there is no other. He is my shepherd. You can sit across the table from your enemies, watch them back by gossip and declare everything over your life that is to your demise and you can just sit there and eat when you know the Lord is your shepherd. When you know the Lord as your shepherd you can choose to look back over your life and say the whole time. I don't know what you can see in the rearview mirror of your life, but I know what I can see in the rearview mirror of my life. That's goodness and mercy. they've been trying to hunt me down they've been been covering over my mistakes they've been covering over my stupidity they've been covering over the stuff I did stuff I did wrong, stuff I just messed up, I believe we're going to get to heaven and we're going to see some stuff, praise God for, that we didn't even encounter because he stopped it before it ever happened it won't just be the stuff he delivered you from, it'll be the stuff that never even happened, that car that should have hit you but it didn't hit you because I can declare the Lord is my shepherd. Yes. And on September 1, you can come brothers. On September 1, as we approach this new season, many of our children going back to school this week. I was saying in the back earlier, This week, I don't know about y'all, but the summer went way too fast. Yes. Can I get an amen right there? But now in September, kids going back to school, transition. Could it be this morning that God put this psalm on my heart for you? Because you needed to declare in this new season that whatever you're facing, whether you're beside quiet waters and green pastures, or you've been walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And let me tell you, my brother, my sister, you're not supposed to build a home there. You're not supposed to camp out and stay there. It's, you're walking through some places where God's going to teach you some stuff, but I want you to know you're going through. You will not live in the valley. You're coming out on the other side. Why? Because the Lord, he is my shepherd. In the midst of everything you are facing and all that you are going through, you needed to declare on this first day of September going into the fall, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want Would you bow your heads with me all over this room? Matter of fact, before we pray, you can dim the lights. Lift up your hands and just open up your mouth and begin to praise him out loud. Just lift up your hands. If you know you look back, look in the rearview mirror of your life and it's been his mercy and his grace. It's been his loving kindness. It hasn't been judgment following after you in view of his mercy this is my acceptable act of worship and praise on this one. I will lift up my hands. I will not be ashamed. I will open up my mouth and I will give you praise. Come on.
1: Hallelujah Lord. Hallelujah Lord. I I love the way that Psalm starts out. He says, you know, what he, basically what he's saying is the Lord is my shepherd and this is why
0: yes.
1: you understand yes. this is why God yeah, goodness and mercy he's calling me. you know I can sit before my enemies I'll be ready I'll pass out if you are in here and you never made a declaration saying okay, the Lord is my shepherd if you're in here and you say okay, I don't, I don't, I don't you know, I came back to church. I don't know this Jesus that you're talking about. Well, I knew this Jesus, but I'm back here to reconnect with him. I'm talking to you. While all heads bowed, I want you to take that hand and put it over your heart. And say, 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 repeat after me. Say, Father God, here I am, naked and unashamed. My good, my bad, my ugly, I submit it to you. Take it, Lord, and thank you for revealing yourself to me. I'm yours. Everything I am, everything I'm not, everything I will be is completely yours. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose for me. And I believe that he's talking to you about me. I surrender. I want the Lord to be my shepherd. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let me pray with you real quick. Father God, thank you for this amazing time, this amazing service from praise and worship down to the word, Lord. You are are a God who is a God in control. We may plan, but you direct. So thank you for just doing what it is that you do. You're awesome, God. So I pray that you watch over us as we travel these next couple of days celebrating family fun Lord we ask that you watch over the vehicles that we're traveling in Lord I pray that you anoint the car from bumper to bumper I pray that you you, you anoint the car so that every mechanism will work as it was intended to work Lord I pray for an anointing on us as we step into certain atmospheres that we are the light and we're not ashamed of it we're unapologetic about this Christianity. Yes. So Lord, bless us with a word and season to speak something into the life of individuals, individual, even if it's a plan to seed, to bring conversion, or to defend the faith, to contend. So Lord, I ask that you have your way. Say thank you for, just humbly thank you for just being the God you are and allowing us to come into a presence that is so sacred. Hear this for a couple of reasons. One, you're held accountable to what you say. You know. Two, just creates the the, the lifestyle that you start living. As more you say it, this becomes a place, a source. You go to this when you don't know where to go. You stand on this. We have nowhere else to stand. And actually, creates a list so it filters how you see things. So you can have hope when on the news is not by chaos. Because we understand the certain significance, and certain things that God is doing behind the scenes yeah. that we are privy to because this is creating the lens that we see life through. Yeah, is, Amen? Yeah. So come and say it with me. This Bible, this Bible is our primary source of faith. Source of faith. This Bible, this Bible, is, Bible is, our is our rule of conduct. This Bible, this Bible is creates through. the lens is the that, we that we see life through. As we leave this place with never God's presence, Jesus yes. is Lord. Period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless you and enjoy the rest of your son.